0: everyone and welcome to Isometric. I'm your host this week, Brianna Wu. I'm the head of development at Giant Space Cat. And here today I am... Very happy to be here with Steve Lubitz, who is the temporarily disposed host of Isometric this week. Steve, how are you doing? Do you have electricity in your life? I, What's I have going lost on? all
1: my power, both on the show and in my house.
0: So. <laughs> well, we all knew this was coming, right? Yeah, it was yeah. It was
1: only really a matter it's, of time. I, I am sitting here in my bedroom, which is, so if it sounds like I'm in a cave, I apologize. I'm not in my normal recording den. Sitting here with flashlights and hoping that my computer and my phone can last long enough to get through the show. So it's going to be an exciting surprise. So if you suddenly don't hear me halfway through the show, that's that's because all the power went out.
0: We will we will we will we will soldier on Steve somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm also here today with Georgia Dow, who's she asked to be called the master of the universe when I was asking her what He-Man. she wanted to be called. Are you he-man? Is that true? <laughs> no, is that not true? Okay. Are you She-Ra, though? You could be She-Ra.
2: I don't know. What is her call? What is her I don't know. I should know. I think it's kind of like cheesy. I'm I'm searching for that next. I'll, I'll take don't, that next don't week. Don't watch
0: those shows on Netflix. They don't hold up. And oh, my God, they are so homoerotic in the most awesome way possible. <laughs> they are so homoerotic in a way that you. it's... Really funny to think of the 80s as an age where we couldn't pick up on that homoeroticism, but they are just great. And I'm sure, like oh, I am I'm so happy that I watched that in my Uber Christian household growing up. (laughs) That makes me very happy. (laughs) So we are also extremely, extremely pleased, honored, everything, to be here this week with Chris Clue, who's the former punter for the Minnesota Bitings and author of beautifully unique Sparkle Ponies. How are you doing, Chris Clue? It's like, I think uh, it's not giving anything away that Steve has a bit of a man crush on well, you yeah. because he's a huge NFL fan. Like, I didn't want to give away the plot, but... Yeah. I,
1: I, well, I guess, I guess I'd be <laughs> skipping the Patriots game for the power outage anyway, but I am skipping the power outage. I'm skipping the Patriots game and much happier to be talking to you.
3: The, uh, the, the punter is an odd choice, though. That <laughs> Usually it's like the running back or the, the quarterback. So thank you. I'm, I'm quite honored
1: well i the the running back and the quarterback were not uh tweeting out uh, Warcraft theme quest descriptions before every football game while they were playing, and what was it like the ninety minutes before you were allowed to uh oh hey, my power just came back on hooray Oh, sweet <laughs> yeah. you you mean Tom Brady wasn't tweeting out his quest results that that shot I, I think that was that was a bit of a different quest, I think. <laughs> So, Chris, you know, uh, you know, isometric
0: listeners have obviously been, you know, kind of with us this year during Gamergate. But, you know, I, I just to kind of catch people up in case they don't know, um, you know, Chris has been for the longest time one of the... One of the strongest allies I've ever seen in my life For women in tech And like you um, I remember the very first thing That you wrote And it was this um, It was a really fantastic piece And then after it came out You did a follow-up piece Talking about how pissed you were That you didn't get Death threats and harassment The way that women in this field do When we speak up our minds So um, I just You know, I want to tell you right now Just person to person Your advocacy And your strong voice has it's personally meant a lot to me this year and yeah I wanna let you know it's appreciated.
3: Oh thanks. Yeah I mean to to me it, it really is just basic human nature. You know, treat other people the way you'd like to be treated and people shouldn't you know people shouldn't have to face different obstacles based on their gender, their their sexuality, or their religion, or anything. It should be, Mm -hmm. we're all human beings, we're all here on the planet Earth, let's try to make our lives a little bit better instead of making it a little bit worse. (laughs) It's so easy to make it worse, and we should not do that. No, oh, it's really true.
0: I was talking today about how when somebody has no empathy, you know, like that's the first sign that they're not worth my time. But that's that's everywhere in society, right? Like us not really feeling for other human beings. It's it's kinda sad. But you know, I've gotta ask you, like when I think about organizations are built on on empathy. I don't really think about the NFL, you know. So, I mean, what was what was that like for you? Like, I mean, where did that value come from for you?
3: Was it your upbringing? Yeah. Yeah, gr- growing up, I was definitely a nerd first and foremost. Like, I I started reading at the age, I think of like 4 and um just loved reading fantasy science fiction, um, you know, read David Eddings, uh, Orson Scott Card, Ender's Game, although I that that book really pisses me off, because how do you <laughs> as an author, as an author, completely miss the point of the book that you just wrote <laughs> like i don't don 't understand that <laughs> yeah. But, yeah so yeah. my uh, my parents got me a uh, the original Nintendo Entertainment System, I think when I was like seven or eight years old, and uh, I, yeah yeah I was, I was just hooked from that point. <laughs>
0: You know, it's funny. I did a piece for Refinery 29 where I talked about Steve's kids so I can't wait to see how he responds to I, I'm really <laughs> so looking forward yeah. to
1: this, by the way. But
0: I was talking <laughs> about, like, how when, you because know, my parents bought me in you know, the Nintendo Deluxe at Georgia with Rob in it, uh, that Christmas Ooh. of 1985. And you know, I sometimes think about that moment because I remember opening the box and seeing Rob's purplish eyes staring at me. Oh, I mean, I, I have had, Rob
2: right now just for oh, you, Brie.
0: Well, but, but thinking about the the radical way that that, um, you know, altered my life trajectory. You know, sometimes <laughs> think about where I am now, where, you know, I talked to the FBI this week and prosecutors and they sent police to go arrest this guy and all this other stuff. And it's like, um, you know, it all started with the opening up that that box of Rob in it, you know? <laughs>
3: Yeah, so, I mean, and for me, it was very much, I was, like, I wanted to play video games all the time. I wanted to be reading all the time, but my parents were, if it's, you know, if it's light outside, you need to be outside doing something. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to go out and do these sports. Like, they i me up yeah, for soccer and baseball, and um, I turned out to be pretty good at them, too. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do these things, I want, like, I want to win. I like winning. <laughs> Winning's fun. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so I, it, it was one of those things where... Um, in high school, high school football, uh, I was the kid on the bus in full uniform, pads, everything on the bus on the way to the game, and I would be reading, like, David Eddings or, you know, Elima <laughs> Medessa Jr., or, you know, science fiction authors, and the other players would look at me and be like, what are you reading? And I'd just be like, a book. Because <laughs> you know, this... trying to explain the plot line would just be like, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs>
0: you should have done is like <laughs> held up like sports illustrated in front of it and then like <laughs> oh look i'm just reading something legit so georgie you know because you're pretty nerdy too uh you yeah, know but like <laughs> like me i i remember when i discovered that i had an athletic prowess and you know i was like 23 and i always been <laughs> built like a whippet in you know high school <laughs> and um i never thought of myself as being able to do athletic things until i discovered running and then i discovered right. i could easily run for 20, 30 miles, right? So, I mean, did you have something of the same? Because for me, it was like discovering there was a secret in my body. Do you know what I mean?
2: (laughs) You unlocked it. It was like a power unlocked. I see you doing like the high jump and just walking over it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's it, that's
2: it <laughs> Because Brie is really tall I look I like a small tall. halfling next to her
1: The marathon's true. done in like six strides that's Right, true. exactly very true. Exactly. Very true. She can just
2: walk right over me um, Actually for me it was kind of different I, um, I started off in school and I did really poorly in sports and I was always, like in elementary school I was always like the last one picked and the one that wasn't <laughs> chosen for the dodgeball team and so like whenever they would do like, you know, team picks and, and they would pick two people to choose people, that was like the worst moment for me because oh. I was the one that was like last I think I was just a late bloomer in school and and so that was really rotten for me so I think that the reason that like I had to like get a championship in jiu-jitsu and do so well in it and because I'm so competitive now is almost to prove to myself that I could do it and keep at it and so that's why I do so many sports and just enjoy Athletics so much, so I think it was just to prove it to myself.
0: Got it, I've got it. So you know, the zombie apocalypse comes down like Chris, Georgia, Steve, you too. Like we're all on the same team, right? Like, you've got your plan together, right?
1: I'm definitely going to be staying close to whoever can swing a bat at at zombies, well, because I'm not that person. (laughs) Right? We need a
2: baseball player. Is that what you're saying? Because he can kick someone. I'm not going to grapple a zombie. It's probably not the best.
1: I, yeah, I, that's I can, not a good strategy. No, not at all. No, no
3: they, they, they bite. They're big biters. But uh, I, <laughs> I, I think it's interesting that, like, as a society, we, we're still kind of clinging to this idea that people have to be just one thing. Like, you have to be either a nerd or you have to be a, you know, a jock. And it's like, no, you, you can be whatever you want to be. It, it should just be, here are all the options available to you. Go try all these different things. And if you like something, <laughs> pursue it. Yeah, yes. yeah, no, I think yes. that's really well said. Yeah.
0: I think that's well said. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into some video game news, guys. Um, so there was a really, really big Apple event this week. There was? There was, Georgia. You may oh. not know that being an editor at iMore, but there was a very, oh. very big Apple event. Oh. And, you know, like, Gruber uh, had a really interesting piece today talking about it, um, about how Apple really put... All their cards on the table rather than having two events like usual, they really just put everything into it, and the Mac kind of took a back seat so you know we 'll talk about some of the the more y news over on rocket, but you know um, obviously Apple TV and you know the potential that it has for games is a very pertinent subject for isometric so I guess I just want to leap right into it chris you know you're the, you're the guest on our show this week like, what do you think about it? Are you excited? How do you feel
3: Um, I did see I, I come from the mindset where I generally don't pay attention to betas or pre-releases or previews huh. or anything like that because, I, I mean, I grew up in in the age where, God, what was that console? Was it the Phantom or whatever it was? Just complete oh, yeah, vaporware, that right? That one that
1: was supposed to be like <laughs> yeah. the best PC <laughs> yeah. console yeah. ever. Yeah, it, 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 it could do
3: yeah. everything. Yeah. And, and then, like, you'd get these, you know, previews for these MMOs or, like, you know, fully customizable world. You can alter the terrain. You can do this. You can do that. And then it ends up being an, Everqu- an EverQuest clone. <laughs> It's, right. So, so I mean, to me, I think I'm kind of jaded in that until I'm holding this thing in my hand and seeing what it can do and putting it through its paces, I'm really not going to care what you say it can do because, honestly, I don't trust the people who manufacture
0: these things. <laughs> Real vote of confidence for software developers. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. I appreciate that,
3: yeah. <laughs> but But, well, and I also feel a lot of it, too, is that the uh, the developers are under you know pressure to make everything bigger and better and you know, you got to keep those quarterly earnings going which means we have to have something new we have to have something that's different and I feel like as as in our world as a whole there's room for people to just step back and say you know what this phone's really good here's an incremental upgrade it'll still be really good you don't have to buy this thing but if you want to here are the things that are you know upgraded. But, you know, it's still going to be a really good phone no matter if it's a year old, two years old, or three years old. We we take pride in our craftsmanship, and we made a good product. So buy one of our phones, but, you know, they're all pretty good.
0: No, 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 I definitely agree with that. So, you know, Steve, one of, the, one of the things that really occurs to me uh, with the Apple TV is – and I'd love your feedback on this because it doesn't seem like it's going to really take a bite out of Sony. It doesn't seem like it's going to take a bite out of Xbox. But you know, something I see a lot uh, on the software dev side is you know parents are super price averse, right? And I think for Nintendo, yeah. it's a harder and harder sell to like um, you know, get people to buy sixty, fifty dollars games when we're so trained the software has no value, and then you know your kid can. Play any number free ios games forever so um you know my reading of this is it does seem like a bit of a threat to nintendo so yeah you as a parent and you know georgia you too like how do you feel about this do you think that um this is
1: gonna have a market for kids games like what role is it gonna play in your house see i'm I'm split on it because at first i look at it and it's like wow apple just released a 10 year old console like, they, like the like the like the harmonics uh, game that they showed, and, and trust me, I love harmonics. I love everything that they do. But the game that they showed was basically Wii Sports as a rhythm game, mm-hmm. and you know they down to having the strap on the remote so that <laughs> thirteen dollars, by the way. $13 for that. That is an yeah.
2: expensive band.
1: I guess we should kind of back up and just in case anybody's been living under a rock and hasn't paid attention to this. The, the, the thrust of it is that it's got a remote that has a touchpad on it, and it's got a couple of buttons so that you can use the touchpad to swipe around. It's got some sort of a motion sensor so you could do we-like things, and I guess theoretically you could turn it sideways and use it like an NES controller though they didn't show that. Uh, what, what they showed was like multiplayer Crossy, uh, crossy Road, which, which looked fun, I guess, and this <laughs> Harmonix game. And I, I don't know because it's like, on the one hand, it, you know, the games are the same kind of shovel games that ended up burying the Wii and, and that, that parents of that generation kind of got tired of. But then I'm also looking at reports like Skylanders is going to be coming out with a full version for this thing. Mm-hmm. And Disney Infinity is going to be coming out with the full Disney Infinity.
0: That was huge. That really impressed me at the the event. So and, yeah. and
1: and the other thing is that you know there's the whole how are you going to use a controller. Both of those are coming bundled with a Bluetooth controller. Because that was my first reaction was well, you need to buy a Bluetooth controller on top of the hundred and fifty dollars for the thing. Now you're getting up into Wii U. Price because that's the thing,
0: right? Like, I looked at getting an extra Wii U gamepad, wasn't it like 80 bucks? Like, doesn't that cost as much as the Apple remote, like extra versions of it? And you know, like, I'll hold off the dev commentary on it, but um, you know, I am tremendously skeptical that like Bluetooth controllers are going to find a home for iOS games. But yeah, before I kind of get into dev talk, like, Georgia, how do you feel about it? Like, here's a it has motion controls built into it, so yeah, your panda punching game, <laughs> that could come to fruition. Like, how do you feel about it? Are you our, our isometric yeah.
2: game that we have already planned out. Yep. We could actually make it happen, Brie. That is yeah. that I might actually that might change my tide on this. Um, I I don't think that anyone at PlayStation or Xbox is shaking no. in their boots right now because of what's <laughs> happening. I don't think that this is a challenge to anything. I don't think that it's even going to be a challenge to the Wii. If you're looking for a gaming console, this is not going to be it. This is for the casual gamer, and it's a nice way that you can play your games in a way that the entire family can use it. So it's an upgrade from using it on your iPad or people playing a game on multiple iPads. So in that way, it's nice. But I don't think that they are going to go far enough. And Apple's never been a product that's there for games. It's really there for more of casual games to moderately casual games. And so if you already have a game, this is great, and you already have an Apple TV, it's something nice when you have people come over. But any serious gamer is not going to be buying the Apple TV for that use case. And so I I looked at it as something like... Uh, you know, it's kind of nice to deal with. And because it's, like, really low cost and because people already have purchased their games in that way, I can understand that then this becomes a threat because it makes, like, the, the best game is the one you already have. And so it can make people that are having kids, you'd be like, you know what, this is a good enough game for you at this age. We don't need to buy a console. And so in that way, I think that it might you know, bite off a minute amount of profits from people buying a PlayStation or a Wii or an Xbox really early. But for serious gaming, Apple has never really been in the field to that. They kind of, you know, touch their toes to the water, but they never really jump fully in, which I can understand. They're they're into developing really good hardware, and I think that they should keep To that, until they're they're really serious about what they can develop, and they they understand, you know, I think that this is their test of understanding how the gaming market would work, and and how many people would really be interested in it. I think that the controller itself, like I'm going to launch this thing, so terrible, it's it's so terrible. Um, I I don't like using um controllers that aren't specifically corded to a console. It it just bothers me if there's any latency. I'm very very frustrated. So I, I I don't think that that's something that I'm interested in. Though for surfing around just for using Netflix, very cool. That's nice. Meh. Yeah, yeah Meh. I think it would be
0: good for watching TV. But, yeah. I mean, can I give you guys, like, a developer analysis? Yeah, yeah I mean, I was, I
1: was definitely curious about your reaction, especially about this. 200 meg oh, app I got so much thing? to say about that. Yeah. And by
0: the way, you know, I am probably going to have a piece up in I'm War by the time this episode goes live, so you know, we'll link to it in the show notes. But
2: guys, I want to can been... you say what your piece is is going to be on for everyone?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah can you be on... tell us, Georgia?
1: You should know <laughs> <sorry. laughs>
0: <laughs> It's going to be on the Apple it's going to be on the Apple TV like from a from a game developer perspective right. of cool. the the shortcomings with it. So, um You know, I have been psyched for a long time for Apple TV to finally start playing games because a game like Rev 60, Revolution 60, which is so super cinematic in nature, like it's built for an Apple TV, right? right? Like it's fun on your iPhone, but this is a movie that you play. So I have been really, really, really psyched about Apple TV finally bringing this out. Yeah, I've got to tell you, like I watched the event and I was super psyched. I was tweeting about how, you know, we were going to do it. And then I start like downloading the TVOS and start reading the documentation. It just can't be done, and you know the reason is. um, So I don't know if uh, everyone out there knows this yet, but Apple has put a 200 meg hard limit on binaries that you can upload to the App Store. This. Now, they try to obviate some of that limit by saying, look, we've got this entire cloud platform that will like stream data to it as you need it. So, kind of the same way if you start up a movie on Apple TV, it will stream it to you as you watch it. And it kind of happens seamlessly in the background. They've um, developed this cloud platform that is probably going to work for many people doing that. And i got to tell you, I've had so many people mansplaining to me on Twitter about this. This is not a panacea. This actually opens up a lot of problems. So, you know, Georgia, when you were, um, when you were describing Apple TV, um, you know, I thought it was very interesting because you, you portrayed it um, as like, well, Nintendo is not going to lose money. Well, Sony is not going to lose money. Well, Microsoft is not going to lose money. And I agree with you. The people that are going to be hurt by this are the smaller developers, mm, which are currently right. being eaten alive on the App Store. Right. So if you're like on your Wii U and you start looking through the smaller indie titles on there, it's nothing I've ever heard of. It's hard to imagine they're really getting traction. So what mm. what the 200 meg limit does is you know look, I'm a professional developer. I use the Unreal Engine. I need those powerful 3D tools, I need those cinematic tools. Something like Unreal Engine is just flat out not going to work on Apple TV. I was um, going over this with my lead engineer before the show, and we were just looking at the size of the binary, just uploading a very basic amount of information into um, Unreal and deploying it. And it is nigh impossible to get it underneath that 200. And that's before you have a game, before you have assets, before you have music, before you have voice acting, anything. Right. So, what this does is it locks you into using Apple's tools. Yeah. And I want to say that one more time. If you're a professional developer and you're choosing to go with like a mon- multi console strategy using a more universal engine like Unity or Unreal, you can't use Apple TV. If you want to bet absolutely everything, On the Apple ecosystem, if you want to trust Apple to feature your game and bet big on developing something with their tools, yeah, it's going to work, but is that really a good bet in 2015? So, you know, Chris, you're, you're being kind of quiet. Like, I mean, how do you no, feel No, no, well, I, yeah. it just
3: it strikes me as really interesting because I, I honestly don't think it will work in terms of dethroning any of the, the big console manufacturers, you know, the yeah. Xbox, PlayStation, whatever, because this is more kind of a, a gateway system in my mind in that... The families that have games on their their iPhones, you know, they have games on their iPads. They're, they're essentially just transferring those games from the phone to a bigger screen. So you're still mm-hmm. kind of playing the same games, but it's it's not the same processing power as an actual console. However, I think the the one way I do see it possibly succeeding with that 200 meg limit is almost kind of a um, like a renaissance of the uh, the Super Nintendo era type games, where you go really sprite based, mm-hmm. really storytelling based, and you know, you, you go for that nostalgia. You go for for that retrospective looking back like, okay, you, we can't use Unreal. We can't use these 3D graphics. What can we do with the limited tool set that we have? And, you know, some of my favorite games are from that Super Nintendo era because... It forced you into telling a story. You know, you, you couldn't rely on I have the best graphics around, I have, you know, the, the most processing power around. I I have to make these characters work. I have to actually, you know, be a writer. I have to, you know, tell something here. And so I I don't think it will probably happen, but if it does, there could be some really cool games on there simply because sometimes being limited makes you a lot more creative.
0: Chris, I have to tell you, I'm sitting here listening to you Yeah, I'm imagining like a Call of Duty tab not being able to throw particles <laughs> and explosions into the game going, yeah. what do I do? I don't know what to do. <laughs> How do I? What do I do? We got to write. We not know any writers. Oh, my God.
3: Yeah. Like to, to me, it really is something where I don't I don't think Apple is necessarily ever going to pitch this as a game system, that's just kind of a secondary thing where if you have this in your house, it's a neat benefit that you can also play these games that you already have. But for people who really want to start getting into games who you know who play Candy Gr- Candy Crush who play Summoner it, War, you know, all, all the games you see advertised on like billboards and bus stops and everything. It's like you know because the, there are a lot of people that play those games. And
1: then uh, Really? That's a yeah, horrible game. Yeah, Yeah, we don't know anybody who plays Candy <laughs> Crush. yeah, yeah. yeah. We also don't know anybody who's been playing Pokemon Shuffle nonstop for two weeks. But, you know, that's a different story <laughs> entirely.
3: thing is, like, that mark there. The people are there playing that game, and and they're normalized. You know, that's, that's considered a normal part of our culture now. And so the next step is, okay, if I'm playing these games, well, what's, what's the next game that I can play? What's the next step that I can take? And that's getting a Wii U. That's getting, you know, an Xbox One or a PS4. And then, and then you start seeing what the power is in those consoles. And you're like, oh... Either that's really cool, I want to keep playing it, or I'm okay with my iOS games. My Apple TV serves me fine. I'm just going to play the stuff on this ecosystem.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's well yeah. said. I think that's well
1: said. One thing I'm wondering though is how, like, for the the games that are going to try to do the the uh, loading on demand, like, what's the experience for that going to be like? Because I mean, I was looking at Disney Infinity because Disney Infinity has the Toy Box app in the store now for 2.0, and it's like four gigs. And I'm, I mean, if it's going to have to load. A level every time that you try to that you try to fire it up. I mean, the longest, slowest unit of time in the universe is when you're waiting for an update to download to a console, <laughs> and there's a child in the room. Ah. Is it re- is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? No, fifteen minutes. Is it is it been fifteen minutes now? No, it has not. Please go go read a book. Um, so I I don't know if that's going to be acceptable because I mean, especially if they're talking about like with Scott with superchargers, they're talking about having like the full game and. I mean, I don't know how big Skylander's is as a full binary. I know that Disney Infinity 2.0 on my Wii U is like 10 gigs. So, wow. I don't know how they're going to how they're going to manage that and what that experience is going to be like. And it's I think gonna there's going to be some people who are going <laughs> to yeah. try to who are going to be really upset because I mean, the starter packs aren't cheap and I imagine that if they if they're bundling a Bluetooth controller on top of it, it's going to be even more than like the $80 that it already starts that it already sells for. So there's going to be some people who are really upset with that experience, and I think that some of the hysteria got a little bit out of control with you know the New York Times saying that it was going to challenge the PS4 and the Xbox One because, I mean, Apple's barely challenge spent five minutes. What? Yeah. That uh, was the question App- they should have asked. Apple's really barely answered. spent five minutes out of that keynote showing any games, and it's clear that this is something that they feel like they have to do because it's something that runs apps, but it, their, their heart doesn't seem to be in it.
0: Well, I have to say this, Steve, like, you know, Apple has found itself as the biggest game store yeah. in, you know, in the world. Yeah. Like they're one of the biggest <laughs> game companies, like
3: accidentally. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, completely by accident. Track, yeah. You know, so
0: I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. Chris, you were going to say something?
3: Oh, no, I was, I, I was going to say the, um, the, the other thing that's interesting is that I, I almost feel like Apple is approaching this with kind of an insular view in that they assume everyone is going to have the connection and the bandwidth in order to be able to download all this stuff. And it's like, there are a yeah, lot yeah. of people, especially in the United States who live in rural areas, you know, who don't have a broadband internet, who don't have fiber optic. And it's like, okay, if my limit, you know, for the month is this much and that game's going to take up 90% of that limit, I can't download that game. <laughs> like, that's... Or they're going to find out the hard way when
1: they get the bill the next Right.
3: Month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's, that's a, a pretty big technical thing that either as a country we decide, okay, broadband, you know, is something we should pursue everywhere or, you know, just the, the games just aren't going to work because they require too much data.
0: Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. We're, we're going to move on, George. Before we do, I got to ask you, when I play you in Crossy Road, are you going to help me or are you going to knock <laughs> me into the train? Tell me okay, straight well, up. What are
2: you going to be playing
0: as? Uh, I, I don't know. Like, probably. How about that? Yeah.
1: I, w- I would assume it would be the Dark Lord. Dark I would assume that <laughs> would be your character. <laughs> the Dark, See, Dark yes. Lord is so
0: a... nice all the time. <laughs> I am like Jesus. I'm so nice all of the time. I, I've seen yeah. you
1: when you're competitive, though, and I think that for <laughs> that particular scenario, the Dark Lord would be an appropriate no, <laughs> I'm
0: going to work <laughs> with Georgia to get the most points possible, right? Okay, if I'll do like, that. I'm going to be
2: the unicorn. I'm just letting you know now. You can be the unicorn okay. I'll be the
0: the celebrity, I guess. Okay, right, okay. We'll That's do. perfect.
2: We got it. We got a team. <laughs> we're a team it's the, team We're gonna play it competitively. Yeah. <laughs> That'll
0: work out well, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, so of course. this episode of Vice Metric is brought to you by Braintree. Uh, code for easy online payments. If you're a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. Braintree is a payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Muntree. Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical. And now you can add a similar experience to your own app with excellent customer service and simple integration. Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. And billionth is an (laughs) awesome number to work towards. (laughs) Braintree is also helping solve the problem of mobile card abandonment by offering best-in-class mobile checkout experience. And they make payment experiences in some of your favorite apps seamless and magical. Now you can add similar experiences to your own apps. Braintree gives you... Full-stack payment solution, support for all your payment types your customers may want, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more, all with the single integration. It's with you across all platforms, and it has superior fraud protection and their fantastic customer service with fast payouts. To learn more and for your first $50 in transaction fees free go to braintreepayments.com and what we need you to do is to please use the code isometric when we when you go and check out braintree so our thanks to braintree for sponsoring this week's show
2: thank you braintree (laughs)
0: someone dropped out who was it who was it chris you were the guest on the show this week you wanted an esports topic We give you the eSports topic. So ESPN this week announced that they are bringing a full-time person onto ESPN to do um, eSports. And, you know, along with that, Blizzard um, looked at Heroes of the Storm and... They're actually really getting into esports with that, you know, kind of having it competitive like Dota. So, you know, I know you're huge into all these things. So, like, take it away. What do you think about? Like, what are you? <laughs> where are you feeling with it?
3: Um, I I actually really like it because the thing is, right now, esports are kind of in that area that like football and baseball were in like the 1920s, 1930s, where you kind of have almost these regional teams, but. No real overlying structure to, you know, to really bring them together. But there's a lot of money to be made bringing those teams together. I mean, you, you look at something like Riot with, um, you know, with League of Legends and obviously Tencent, who owns Riot. I mean, that that is a huge amount of cash flow coming in. And the tournaments are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year. I mean, Blizzard with with Dota 2 and just Counter-Strike. I mean, StarCraft. Like, there, there's all these esports out there. And right now, what I see is there, there's this... Almost this this need to figure out a way. Okay, how do we get from where we're at now to where the NFL is at right now? And and I've had conversations with you know with people within uh, within Riot you know and, and with other companies and and they've said you know how how do we get there and. To, to me, it, it really is you need, you need to bring eSports together under one big umbrella and have actual teams. So, hmm. like, f- for right now, you know, there, there's the different genres of eSports, right? You know, you have FPSs, you have MOBAs, you have uh, RTSs, and... Really, if, if they want to make esports super big, it's okay. Let's have those genres. Let's have those be like our position groups on the field. So you know, like our RTSs are like receivers, and you know, FPSs are our quarterbacks. You know, MOBAs are our defensive linemen, whatever. But what that does is that then it allows the fans who watch those teams. It gives them a broader uh, a broader base to anchor themselves to. It's not just I watch Curse Gaming in League of Legends. It's I watch Curse Gaming. This week I'm watching the League of Legends game, the Counter-Strike game, and the Dota 2 game. And so once that starts happening, and and I'm pretty sure it's only a matter of time, then that's where you're going to see the real exponential growth start happening because so many kids these days are growing up in households with computers. They're growing up in households that the barrier to entry to playing these games is so incredibly low. It's It's like soccer. It's like baseball. You can just go out. You know, it's like going out on the field with a round object and kicking it around and throwing it. I mean, you you really don't need much more than that. And with free-to-play games, it's, okay, can my computer handle this free-to-play game? If it can, all right, I'm going to download it and start playing it.
0: (laughs) No, I've got to – I mean, look, I have played so many thousands of hours of Peggle, and I really mean thousands (laughs) of hours of Peggle. If that became an eSport, like – audios came down <laughs> like hola <laughs> like, you know, Breeze Bri- quitting their day oh, job oh yeah oh yeah you have to leave. like i am aw- like hey you know chris i have to say i was watching this and i've seen you on video like doing commentary and i mean
3: it's hard to it's easy to imagine you doing that for espn so well and, and i think it's my background is makes it particularly interesting because i've been on that sort of traditional sports side of it so you know i've seen how that operates and looking at the esports side, I'm like, I know how this can operate. Like, I I know how you guys can do this. You can make this happen. And, and the companies behind it, they want to make it happen because I mean, case in point, like the NFL is making, I think it's like 14 or $15 billion this year. It's just, just a ridiculous amount of money. And so if you can get even like 10% of that, I mean, that's, that's okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So, Steve, you're a big sports fan too. Um, what has a worse yeah. um like reputation, games or like you know, the NFL? Because like it's something yeah. that occurs to me. And you'll, you'll it's the, to NFL. Me, it's but, the, the, the NFL. It's absolutely okay, the NFL. You don't okay. you don't see
1: n you don't see League of Legends trials on uh, Boston That's Nightly true. News. That's
0: true. <laughs> but I mean, I really mean this. Like, I think something that occurs to me is. You know, thinking about this story, I have had so many journalists have approached me this year. Like I'm going to be talking to NBC uh, Dateline about it tomorrow, probably. And you know, the the the, the problems that we have had in game dev had have kind of tarnished the reputation of gamers very very tragically. You know, and that makes me sad because I'm a gamer. Do you think that that could? Be a barrier to kind of getting corporate sponsorship. Like, how do you how do you see that progressing here? Have, have you seen a traditional football fan?
1: <laughs> I have. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I have. yeah the, <laughs> it's not. It's, I don't think it's that much different. I mean, no, right? it really isn't. Yeah, and I think that that you know, like, it's just a generational thing, really. I mean, there's when you start thinking about it, right, like. They have golf tournaments on all the time, and it's not much sillier to watch a bunch of people huddled over computer monitors with avatars, you know, slashing at each other than it is to watch some guys in funny pants, you know, smacking at a ball and then walking to where it landed, you know. Or or even, like, the World Series of Poker was a big thing on ESPN for a long time, and that's not much different than, say, watching a Hearthstone tournament, I don't think. It's just that it lo- it feels different because it's what people are – not used to. I mean, it's the same thing that happened with Jimmy Kimmel, you know, making fun of people who stream on YouTube uh, a week or two ago, and, and then, you know, people, you know, game, a certain group of gamers showing him why he was right to make fun of them, I suppose. But, um, you know, it's the kind of thing that if you, you know, it's like, have you never watched a cooking show in your life? Like, why would you watch somebody else cook food? It's the same type of thing. But if you haven't grown up with it, it's just the kind of thing that's not, it's not natural to you, so it looks weird. And, and it's just we just need to get more people who've grown up with it. And then I think it'll start... Be, it'll start being something that ESPN clearly can't ignore at this point.
3: Yeah, well, and and I think we're in that transitional period right now where we do have a lot of kids who have grown up. You know, they they don't really watch TV anymore. They watch streams. They watch their favorite YouTube personalities. They, you know, they they watch uh, esports, and to them, that is their television. Like they're they're not going to tune in for the nightly news at nine. Like that that's not what their social mores have been conditioned to accept. To them, they're like, okay. I'm going to go watch um, you know, the, the eSports show at you know, 7 to, to 9. Then I'm going to go watch this YouTube personality from 9 to 11. And then you know, then, I, then I might stream my own thing. And to me, that's, that's one of the huge things about eSports that I don't think companies have really capitalized on yet is that in eSports, you actually have a chance to play against the professionals playing that game. And in traditional sports, like, that would be like walking down to your local park and playing pickup football against Peyton Manning, which is never going to happen. But you could be playing League of Legends, and if you're good enough, and if you practice at it, you're like, well, shoot, I could be playing in in Diamond Rank. I could be playing against these guys. That's really cool. And, And so I think if these companies figure that out and, and they look at it like, you know what we need to do, we should have a day every week where it's like, come play, you know, fans, come play with the pros, come play with, with these players, and then that gets you fan loyalty. That gets you people buying into, I had this experience, now I'm going to pass that on to my family. I'm going to pass that on to my kids, and I'm going to be a fan of that person
1: for the rest of my life. I mean, that's how sports teams work. And, and I mean, There's- that's not even out of that really – an out there idea because I mean, Microsoft was doing that when they were trying to grow Xbox live. Like they had days where they would have, you know, some, a sports star or a celebrity and say, Hey, come play, you know, rainbow six with me. And they would pick people at random and have them do that. And it just seems like that's a natural thing that makes sense. I mean, everybody would want to play with a celebrity. I mean, why, why wouldn't you, if you're, you know, and you, especially if you could if you have enough skills that you think that you can, you know, at least hang with them, not necessarily beat them, but hang with them. I I think the key thing, too, is that before that might have been seen almost as like kind of a gimmicky
3: thing. Like, oh, here's, you know, here's this person who's known for this other thing. Come play video games. Whereas now it's here's this person who's known for video games. Come see what you can do against them. And And that, in my mind, is a very crucial corner that they've turned in that you can have celebrity based on what you're doing in the video game world. It doesn't have to be for something else.
0: Yeah, I've definitely um something I've I've really discovered is as a developer, this is a field that's very driven by personality, right? And I, I I've met so many indie devs that kind of um yeah, they kind of function by kind of acting very formal through their press statements and their you know social media presence. And what I've found is that I'm very rewarded for being the most genuine version of myself, right? Somebody that really cares about feminism, somebody that talks a lot about women in tech, somebody that is really pissed off that we don't have more women protagonists in 2015. And I think I think that's the entire culture of, of game dev. I think it's very similar to sports in that way, that you're kind of drawn to hero figures. Do you know what I mean? Like you want people to to, to be
3: interesting, you know? Well, you also just, you don't want them to spout cliches. Because like that, like you said, that's not interesting. I mean, yeah. if, if I want to hear cliches, like, I'm, like I'll go read a book of sports cliches. We're giving 110%, you know, it's a business trip, packing my lunch pail and hard hat. I mean, everyone has heard them, but if you can show that you're an actual human being, then you yeah. can make a connection with someone and more often than not, they will be interested in what you are now doing because they've made that connection. So, Georgia, do you have any interest in, like, would you sit down
0: and watch, you know, Heroes of the Storm streaming, like watching people crushing lanes and doing all that awesome <laughs> stuff? Mm-hmm. Would you do this? Would you let I, your kids I actually, do it? actually, yeah. you know,
2: I, I want to say, well, no, I wouldn't want to, I'd rather play the games myself, but there's something really magical about watching someone that's really good at something and watching a tournament of people, you know, battling it out in Street Fighter, any of the games that you play, to see, you know, mastery of any sport, I find really inspirational, and this is a sport that you know many people are playing. I think that what we need to look at is the massive amounts of money that people already spend on games. And you can look at Twitch and how much it's sold for. So we know that there is money to be made in um, you know, getting gaming out there and people will watch. We already know that. And so now think about adding tournaments and getting characters that you actually get to know the players and how they're doing. And this is something that people then can aspire to be and as we already spoke about before and play against and be a part of and so I think that there's a lot of money to it. It is the way of the new generation and we need to adapt to that and I think that it's going to naturally happen in and of itself just as poker did and people were complaining about poker being a sport and we we all had all of these different debates of what what makes something a sport versus what makes something else a sport but it's just the way of the new generation. There's tons of cash to be made to it and I do, I love, even games that i do not play i will watch you know someone be able to do a speed run of a game and it is the fastest that they've ever played that game and that's even if i haven't played the game it's just so amazing to see wow look at how they could do that and i can be so impressed and you know i was watching um you know like you i watched the movie king of kong it was just fascinating to see that people that were really good at some things and i watched another one that was on um oh, I can't think about it right now. But it was just another fighting game, and I don't even play the fighting game, but I was just, I couldn't stop watching it about one person that found um, a special way to play a character, and they were unbeatable because of that. And so that was yeah. so amazing. A super smash. It was It was actually a smash. Um, oh. And it it was just so cool to be able to see, and I'm not someone that that really will watch other sports that I'm not playing. There's very few, like I'll watch like UFC and other things, but there's very few sports that even that I play that I like to watch.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, Chris, I would have to be really honest with you. And, you know, one of the reasons I, I've i watched a lot of MLB games with my husband, who is the Tea Party equivalent of a Yankees fan. <laughs> but but one of the reasons I don't watch football games and I can't really get into it is because yeah. the only role women have in that world is as the cheerleaders, right? And when I don't see myself represented in a field, it's hard for me to get into it. And I'm certainly not trying to you know blast. It. I'm just saying like that for me. Sure. Well, but when it comes into to esports, for me what's really, really exciting is like the, uh, what was the, the woman who, um, you know, like she got to the very top of Hearthstone, you know? And uh, she, Magic Amy? Yes, Magic Amy, you know? Like this is a place where, you know, these arguments that women don't have the physical skills to measure up, well, you know, this is a place where those physical things don't really matter as much. So to me, if I were kind of behind um, you know esports. I think it's really really critical to you know have a fan atmosphere but also like make it more inclusive from the very beginning because like you know the NFL as I understand it made moves in the last few years to kind of bring in women watching football more. And it's
2: true they they made lingerie ball <laughs> no. no. That doesn't no, count for you? No. You
0: guys probably know more about this than I do, but I've been reading about that. Am I correct about that? That they've they've kind of gone after that women's demographic for it?
3: Yeah, they've, they've definitely gone after it, um, most particularly in the case of the uh, Wear Pink. Uh, I think they've designated October as like Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, <gasps> the unfortunate yeah. thing is that I think it's like 1% of the money they raise actually goes to breast cancer research. So, <laughs> Yay NFL. <laughs> yeah, yay NFL. Great job marketing. But um, no, I, I think you're completely right in terms of, of eSports in that – it does need to be a very and I hate this word because I see it misused so often in, in gamergate is it needs to be an egalitarian atmosphere where yeah. you know, everyone has the same chance to compete because really there is no difference between people playing a game it 's can you can you do the skills required in order to be successful at this game and one, one of the things I would actually like to see in football is uh, more female coaches i mean that, like, I know the, um, I think it was the Cardinals, they had an intern female coach this year, and there there are tons of women out there who are way smarter than I am, and will, <laughs> you, just completely will always be way smarter than I am in terms of football knowledge. Like, you know, I, I can tell you about punting, right? I, I can tell you about some special team schemes, but I'm not going to break down a cover two defense for you. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, you know, what responsibility the running back has on a blitz pickup, but there, there are women out there who can do that, and they love doing that. And it's like, well if you can do it, if you have the skills to do it, why aren't you allowed to use them? You know, why aren't you allowed to be part of of this sport? And so I think that we're fighting against, you know, 60-some-odd thousand years of patriarchal, culture that you know it's, it's, it's gonna be a bit of effort to, to move that momentum the other direction but especially in the game industry maybe so like it's but but if we're aware of it and and if we you know if we take honest steps towards changing it then at the end of the day sports and games will be better off for it because you, you get a more compelling experience you know you, that's one of the things with sports and and also with eSports and games is that if you're watching these you want to see the best possible outcome, the best possible product, that means you need the best possible players. And if you're limiting yourself by saying only 50% of the population can compete, well, then you're not getting the best possible product. You know, you're know, yeah, you yeah. not showing people the, the full reach of what this thing is capable of. And in my mind, it's like, well, why don't you take the steps necessary to do that? Because then it's more fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I tell you, if like if you mixed gaming with the possibility of like seeing women competing and being awesome, I would be a hundred percent into that. So I don't know, I think that's a good place to leave it. So, Steve, I read the first ad this week. Why don't we throw it over to you? We will let you do the hover ad. Are you do you wanna do that this week? Yeah.
1: So we will take a break and tell you about Hover.com, which is absolutely the best way to buy and managed domain names. Uh, it I, it is something that I use personally. We manage, you know, the IsometricShow.com domain and a bunch of other ones that I own. Uh, I do it all through Hover. It's fantastic. It really is super easy in a way that a lot of those other sites aren't. Um, and it's and getting a domain is so important. You really, if you're going to start something up, you really need to have a good name for it. And you go to hover and you just pick something and whatever whatever idea comes into your head, maybe you want to look for sharkpuncher.com because you just drove down to Florida with Georgia and watched her fight sharks. <laughs> and you could go down and see if Shark I have no idea if sharkfighter.com is is available or not, but I'm sure I'm gonna find out in about thirty seconds. But you just go there and it will tell you all the different way all the different domains that are available. Maybe sharkpuncher.com isn't available, but dot net or dot or you know, one of those Funky third level domains like that turn apocalypse can i yeah. can I get that damn my name cluepocalypse. Lupaclos, you probably could. You, yeah. you should probably go in, and reserve that should, really quick.
2: Mecca Godzilla loses. No, let's not say things I can't tap back. George, oh
0: about. yeah! yeah. Oh. Wow! Come on. Come
1: on. <laughs> so and, and when you do that, the the dot com domains are only thirteen dollars. Everything else is priced really reasonably. If somebody already owns a domain, they'll actually help broker and and help you get it from them if it's available. Um, everything includes who is privacy, which is so important right now. You don't want somebody getting all your all your information just because you happen to register a domain don't do that
0: take my word for it register your domain names privately trust me on that
1: (laughs) and i mean and if you're going to do something like a redirect like when we did survey.isometricshow.com maddie gave me that a horrible survey monkey url like literally two minutes before we recorded and by the time we started i'd already had the redirect working and tested So they have even... And if you want to switch over to them, they have a valet service. You give them all the keys to all of your domains and they'll do all the work for you and move you over no sweat. And they have a new feature called Hover Connect... That will make it even easier if you use something like Squarespace or Tumblr or Shopify. You just plug it in and a couple button presses and you're done. It's awesome. There's all kinds of great features. You can get email. You can get volume dis- discounts for bulk renewals. It's fantastic. So just go to Hover.com. The show, use the promo code DESTINY at checkout and you will get 10% off your Wait, first purchase. DESTINY? Destiny. Destiny, yes, your favorite game of all I time, love that
0: yes. Game. Chris, we got to play together sometimes.
1: <laughs> yes, I definitely. Well, the t- the
3: Taking yeah. King is coming out.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. believe me, I know. <laughs>
1: So use the code destiny to uh and you'll get 10% off your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for isometric and all of relay.fm and thank you so much to hover.com for sponsoring this episode of isometric.
0: Chris, how how much have you played Destiny? At this
1: um point? I have two level 34 characters. Uh, <laughs> I have
3: Andy. Mo- Yeah, I I have most of the um uh, epic weapons and uh, unique weapons that I wanted. <laughs> so uh, the o- I think the only thing i didn 't accomplish that I wanted to try to accomplish was going uh, flawless in the trials of Osiris, and that was just because i didn 't have anyone to play with so
0: really, oh my God, like come party with a feminist war cult we'll totally take you through that i will I will I'll shoot you a message after the show, but you know i don 't want to talk about destiny, Steve, this is your moment this is this is you've you've trained your whole life for this, so Pokemon <laughs> Company has kind of used the power of their legal license to force Nintendo to bring a really really cool, awesome product. To market, so the basic idea behind it is you will be catching Pokemon in the real world. So you can use your phone, and you end up getting this like watch, this like bracelet with a Pokeball on it, and you can actually use these two things in conjunction and use it out in the real world. Now, Steve, I only watched the video three times. (laughs) I realize that's got to pale in your knowledge of this already. (laughs) So why don't why don't you tell people all about
1: this? Like are you psyched? So yeah, I, I. I don't know. I I I don't know how I feel about it because, like, I, I don't know. I have I haven't played Ingress, which is the game that was like the big Android at the, at the time. I guess it was like the only Android game that was like Android exclusive until it eventually got ported over to iOS. But it's like this um this location based game where I guess you would go out and and do quests and you would have to physically go there to check in and then you'd have so you get some sort of a a reward for that. And and I've tried these games. The problem is that I live in the sticks. Mm-hmm. So, when I've tried other games like this, there's never been anybody around. And so like if you're in a city, right? Like if you're in San Francisco or you're in like Boston proper, usually there's a, a lot of people around to like battle and there's a lot of locations that that have these places to check in at. And when you live in the sticks, it's not really as much of a of a fun experience cuz it's like the same three restaurants that happen to have check-in points. So I don't I don't know how this is going to work. Well, that's
0: really an implementation yeah. question, right? Like because yeah. the way I saw that video is it seemed like it was um it seemed like maybe selectively or even you know randomly was kind of picking places out in the real world and then your polka watch or whatever they're going to call it started like <laughs> vibrating when you were near it and then it like sensed you throwing a ball so I, I I can imagine like the competitive aspect like at the end of the commercial it had a bunch of people running to fight mewtwo and like uh you know, Tokyo uh, Tokyo Square or Times Square or something but um you know i I, I don't think that it's gonna, it seems like something where you might not need large crowds of people to play yeah, it. Maybe. So,
1: I, I mean, I guess, and then, so this watch thing, right? Like, I'm the wrong person to ask, I guess, because, <laughs> but I, I don't know, like, who is this something that you would wear, like, in public?
0: <laughs> I wear <laughs> like, isometric like, t shirts in public. So, you well, know, that's I got different. I mean, games. that's awesome, but yeah. that's not yeah. a.
1: Like like I'm not necessarily ashamed of my nerdiness, but like a a bracelet with a Pokeball on it might be just like a bridge too far. You better believe I don't, I don't I will. know.
2: It's a bracer. It's not a bracelet. Oh
1: okay. Well that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well that makes it's a sense. A well.
2: Bracer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is.
3: Well, to, to me, this is super fascinating because like like I I actually did a um a TED talk on augmented reality and virtual reality. It, it, it yeah, too. Yeah. It was um it was more sports related, but um this is definitely in those lines like in in, uh, in my book Sparkle Ponies actually one of the chapters is on augmented reality and you know kind of the idea that as as we develop more and more AR and you know as it becomes just sort of this ingrained part of our world, like stuff like this Pokemon game that that will be, it will no longer be an implementation problem because everyone will have an augmented reality capable device because AR it, is so useful. It's it's essentially a sixth sense that allows you to interact with the world in ways that you've never been able to interact with it before. And so, like, when, when I see them trying to do this stuff with games, I'm like, that that is fantastic because, yeah, right now it looks like kind of this gimmicky Pokemon thing where you travel to locations to to catch Pokemon and do stuff like that. But, you know, think, think about in the future where it's like, okay, if I'm walking around with an AR device and I see you know, a car passing by and I want to buy that car, I can just look at it and the price comes up, You know the closest four dealerships, what's the, the best offer I can get, You know what's the best warranty I can get, stuff like that. I mean, it really is externalizing all this information that before you would have to try to search out, you'd have to try to find, you, know, you wouldn't be able to remember it in your own mind, but bam, it's all right there ready for you to access. And so when I, when I see a game like this, to me that that's like the very early stage it's like seeing, you know, DARPANET. It's 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 seeing the, the bare bone structure of, of this thing that's going to come into existence. And I mean not, not to sound hyperbolic, but it will completely change our world <laughs> because we're going to be looking at things through completely new set of eyes. And uh, yeah, the, the the Pokemon game, you know, I, I think in our generation, yes, it would look strange if you're walking around with, with a Pokeball on your wrist. But that's because we remember a world where people didn't walk around with Pokeballs on their wrists. 30 years from now, 40 years from now, 50 years from now, that, that's going to be a completely different world. You know, it, it's going to be expected that you walk around with some sort of AR device, with some sort of, you know, location device. And that, that will just be an accustomed part of who we are as, as human beings. And I, I think it's, it's going to be super cool.
0: I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah. I have no shame about it. I also never understand this with Google Glass, like people that are like, oh, it just looks so dumb. Like who would walk around with that? I, I think it looks yeah. kind of cool. I think it looks like Geordi from Star <laughs> Trek. So yeah. I don't I don't get it. I don't get it.
3: I was going to say the, the aesthetics are a big appeal, though. I mean, like look, look at the success of the iPhone. Before that, you know, your phone was kind of – yeah, you had the flip phones. You had like the Razors and, and the Nokias and stuff like that. But – the thing that really made Apple take off with the iPhone was the aesthetic appeal of the device. You felt like you were holding something from the future. And the the company that cracks that for AR, because, like, like I had a pair of Google Glass, and, you know, they, they were cool, but at the same time, I felt like I was wearing a phone on my head. And yeah. for true augmented reality, like, I want to feel like I'm wearing a pair of sunglasses, that, you know, Mission Impossible type stuff, where, like, I, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, just looking at things, and boom, information's popping up. So the company that cracks that they're they're going to be the next apple they because again like as human beings we we value our decisions Based not only on functionality but also on aesthetic appeal, and that's something you know that companies do have to take into account.
0: I think uh, I think people. I was at an event, YPAC uh, Dev, last week, uh, and I was listening to people really kind of kick Microsoft up and down. And I have to be straight with you, Chris. Like I think um, I think Hololens is a technology that has an amazing amount of potential, and I really agree with you. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah, I was uh, I. Had Microsoft the other day that was like interviewing me for a position on that team, and you know, it would like result in my entire team being fired. But I have to tell you, like, I really thought about that for a minute. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's a really, yeah, it's a really, really interesting technology. I mean, so, Georgia, what do you think about this? Would you, would you, be, I know you, come on, Georgia, you like
3: Georgia hates Pokemon though. No, you don't. sorry, sorry to interrupt, but so here's the yeah, thing though, yeah. it doesn't have to be just Pokemon. What if you're walking around and the way you view the universe is you're a guardian of the galaxy?
1: Yeah, there, on, could just, there could just be little baby Groots all over the world,
2: Georgia. <laughs> That's the way I already walk around. No, um, I, I, I love it. I love the idea of augmented reality. I think that it could it have some amazing applications, and I think that it could be super cool. I think that Google Glass missed on a whole bunch of different marks because I think that they thought about the technology before they thought about the person. And I think that they they ended up getting a whole bunch of bad press that they – they really did not do a good job of marketing it so it didn't make people seem like they are creepy. And so I think that they they had a huge fail in that, but it was more because of marketing and because of aesthetics, because it was something that was in front of people it was very, very obvious and everyone's talking about how they can take photos with a wink and suddenly be videotaping people. Um, As we become more and more used to wearable devices I think that this is awesome. Like the thought of being able to play a game of laser tag like while you go to work And, you know, you have this mark that you can, like, chase around and, like, have fun with or, you know, have your friends and go outside and instead of, like, playing hide-and-go-seek in the dark, you guys can play, like, you know, a game of trying to capture something together and actually run around and get some exercise at the same time. Or, you know, having all kinds of information at your fingertips um, or at your eye, whatever that (laughs) might be, I am... all aboard for that. I think that my the other side of it, though, is I think that it will come at a huge cost. I think that being tracked all the time, I think that getting uh, immense amounts of information is going to change the way that we interrelate with others. And I think that we will have a decline in people's usable social skills because of that. And so I think we need to also look at the manner in which we use technology and often we will just do it because it's awesomely cool and I'm like one of the biggest proponents for like I want a full like hollow room and be able to like you know play live action games where I can actually fight other people and and test out my martial arts skills and be able to go all out instead of using someone uh, you know a virtual set of skills that are already there I think that that's amazing yeah but I also think that, and and for people that have disabilities and people that are, like, this can change people's lives, but I think that there's a cost that people don't often think about.
0: Well, I agree with that. I think we can all look at the iPhone uh, today. And, you know, if you told me in the 90s that, you know, I'd be walking around with this in my pocket it was all the seen, time like the future yeah. it, it yeah. comes at a huge yeah. cost but yeah. let me tell you let me tell you what my thought is about this you know in my studio we are quadrupling down on emotional mechanics you know i think the the big problem with video games right now is we kind of tend to hyper emphasize um action and kind of a loot grind system like destiny versus really thinking about the emotional mechanics so let's let's think through the process right now of catching a Pokemon, right? Mm. So, um, you yeah, I boot up the game and I walk through an area in tall grass until, you know, I have, uh, you know, I find is a Is this monster. virtual
2: grass or is this real grass? It's virtual
0: grass okay. In, okay. in the game. Okay. So basically it's a random number and then You're I looking look at like it. You're talking
1: about like like on a 3DS Pokemon Correct, on a 3DS.
0: So, and then I'm looking and then I'm looking at the, uh, you know, the Pokemon's nature and it's very stat-based, right? So right now, I would argue that you know Pokemon is kind of a loot grind, but it's it's not a really emotional experience. I think that that's really what Pokemon is missing. Like they have these beautiful, gorgeous, perfect character designs, but so rarely you don't really get a story about what it was like to like capture that monster. And bond with that monster. It's Not like in the really... game
1: itself. But I think that I think that what happens with with Pokemon is that it's the whole ecosystem, right? Like sure. I know that I because I was watching the Pokemon cartoons, the anime, long after I should have been, like in college. <laughs> no and,
0: judgment. No judgment.
1: And I got very <laughs> attached to like Bulbasaur and Charmander and Squirtle and you know and and chansey and and a lot of like the original 150 pokemon because you would watch an episode every week and you would have their story and every pokemon would get an episode and you would see their personality and you would see how they would behave and then you would you would learn about that pokemon and you would want to catch certain other pokemon that you would get attached to in their personality From the show, oh absolutely!
0: I'm not. I'm certainly not saying there's not that emotional mechanic to your your monsters, right? Like Steve, when uh, I was getting really into Pokemon X, you gave me um, oh I can't remember what it was. It was a Pokemon that evolved into a form that looked like an iceberg, and I really cared about that Pokemon because he he got me through ninety percent of that game. Yeah,
1: you get attached to the creatures, regardless of whatever story they have in the game, but just because you're you're with them, but yeah
0: I do think that the the aspect of catching them i I think it's missing something, and I think that like emotionally I think the experience of being like that video where you 're out there in the real world and you 're looking around a cliff and you're you 're trying to find the secret hidden location, and then you know I assume like you look on your phone and use the camera to see out there in reality and see the Pokemon there. I just think that's such a different experience than a random number generator in the grass. And I know that, like, um, you know, a Pikachu that I had to go out in the real world and find myself and maybe had a story to tell about capturing that Pikachu of my husband I think that would be an emotional bond that would really take Pokemon to the next level, assuming this is integrated in some way into, like, the Pokemon games, right? Like, I, I have to hope that you can capture them and then play them in your games. So I I think that this solves a very real problem uh, with those games.
3: Well, and, and I think, too, that right now, in terms of game design, the the emotional attachments you can get are very accidental. It's It's yeah. basically... You, you develop an attachment to certain Pokemon because something happened during the normal routine of catching a Pokemon. Like, oh, you know, I thought it was going to kill me with that last hit, but somehow I dodged. And, you know, it's this amazing experience that I know my friends didn't have, and I'm going to tell them about it. Like, you know, the, the playground stories that you share, you know, with your friends. Like, oh, I caught this Charizard, you know, it was my last Master Ball. I didn't think I was going to get it, stuff like that. Whereas in, in the future, where, where I would hope that the game developed, would go is, you know, I don't, I don't need to see every single pore on that Pokemon's skin. <laughs> what, what I want to see is that Pokemon react like an actual living creature. Like, I, I want the AI to be worked on. I, I, I want to feel like I'm interacting with something that is interacting back with me. You know, it, it really doesn't matter how pretty it looks. I mean, you know, there, there's a given value of graphics that you, you kind of expect in this day and age, but... At the end of the day, if I see, you know, two million hair follicle follicles versus, you know, one million hair follicles, I don't really care. <laughs> like, but if that Pokemon, you know, kind of peeks its head around a stump and then runs away and then, you know, I've got to chase it down and, and it's acting like an actual creature, that to me gives me much more of an attachment to that digital virtual creature than, you know, than just saying, oh, it's a number and and I captured it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Georgia, do you have anything else to say about this on Pokemon?
2: <laughs> no!
0: I think that we no. are...
2: I, th- yeah. I think that it is really interesting that we are naturally made to form attachments and anthropomorphize creatures. We... We're, we're made to be like herd creatures. We stay together in a troop, and that's what kept us alive. And so uh, forming attachments in video games is really strong, and video games that do really well have exceptionally high. Probably one of the leading causes to, to game attachment is if you have an attachment to one of the main characters that are in the game. Also game mechanics, but it's secondary to that. And so I think that that's one of the reasons that Um, Pokemon are so popular even with people that are in their 40s and 50s. They go back to this feeling of awe and warmth and happiness and that ability to search and find something really cool and rare and then getting to keep it to be your very own and train it and have it grow and then battle off for you. So I think that it's a very interesting dynamic in human nature.
0: Why don't we move on to what we're playing this week. Chris, What
3: are you playing this week? Um, yeah. I'm playing Path of Exile, which is a wonderful free-to-play uh, action RPG in the realm of like Diablo 2. Um, I'm also playing uh, Hearthstone and getting really mad at oh. it because oh. of balance yeah, I, issues. Yeah. But I'm not going to so, go into I'm that. I'm so angry. <laughs> so, I'm so
1: I'm right there with you. I'm so angry right now because I'm those stupid paladin. Decks oh god, are the, worst. the secret decks. They're the worst. They they're just the absolute worst. So, but no, I will leave it.
3: I will I will not rant about secret paladin. now. Right? Yeah. But uh, and then I'm also playing Monster Hunter uh, 4 Ultimate with my older daughter. Oh well, yeah.
1: Oh yeah.
3: Yep. And we are hunting monsters. I like that
0: game. I like that game. Steve, what about you? What are you playing this week? Well, so well, I, we don't. We don't need
1: to talk about my Hearthstone addiction, but we can. No, we
0: do. We do. We've got a therapist here. Uh, it's time to get it all out. Time to get it all out.
1: Um. So i I've been playing Destiny in the mornings on the bike, and I've got up to level seventeen now. So I guess you know it's it's I'm I'm still working my way through it, and but I'm not. I know I'm not playing it quote unquote the right way, but I guess maybe once Taken King comes out, then you know I'll be at the point where somebody can carry. I can do the level boost or whatever it is to get myself up to you know, 26 and then get carried through. As long
3: as you're having fun playing the game, you're playing it the right way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm playing it the lonely, boring way is what I'm doing. I I don't even know that I'm, I don't, well, I don't even know that I'm having fun. I think it's just kind of passing the time while I'm on the exercise bike more than anything else. But, um, I mean, I did do a strike with, uh, with Sharif Jackson earlier in the week and that was, that was more enjoyable, but it's also more stressful. So I don't know how I feel about it, but, um, and then I started a, um, uh, new Diablo three character and they just did started season four. So they, they have you start a new character and start from scratch and then start building it up and they boost the experience and gold and everything. So I've been doing that a little bit off and on and that's, that's fun to go back to Diablo. So that's, that's what I've been doing.
0: Georgia, come on. Give me a real game. What have you been playing? The I'm playing Georgia a real now? game.
2: I'm playing a real Where are you game. Playing? Where are you playing? Uh, I've been um, playing Towerfall. All right. Um, oh, really? I love Towerfall.
0: I love
1: Towerfall, too.
2: Yeah. Well, I wanted to play a game that I could play with my kids, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. You play four players, and it's kind of like a mix between, um, like, Bomberman and, like, gauntlet like it's like kind of like a mix between both and so you have your your little characters and you can get power-ups and you are trying to like get the other characters and knock them off and it's a lot of fun it's fast paced it's cute it's still strategy based and you can play with even young children and they can have a lot of fun because they're not going to be out of the game for a really long time so I'm enjoying it quite a lot awesome
0: awesome so for me um because <laughs> I gotta tell you I am so hopelessly addicted to Metal Gear. Okay, I am like. <laughs> Do we need an intervention? I really. There was a moment on Saturday where I had a book deadline, and I I took the <laughs> disc. And I said, Frank, take this from me because I can't get my work done. <laughs> like, that's how powerless I was. Because, like, I mean, I just I I sit there, and it's like. Saturday, I sat down on the couch and I'm like, I'm going to get so much work done today. And then, bloop! It's (laughs) like 2 in the morning and I've done nothing but run and play Metal Gear all day. It is extremely good. It is so good I have only played about 4 hours of Danganronpa so far. So um, I hope I beat it soon because I've got stuff to do in my professional (laughs) life. we got to close out the show. Chris, I want to hear all about your book. I did not even know you had a book until this week when we were researching this show. It is on Audible, which I'm very happy about. I, I love audiobooks. Like tell everybody about it. Okay, cool. Well, thank you. It's
3: um, it's called "Beautifully Unique Sparkle Ponies on ah. Myths, Morons, Free Speech, Football, mm-hmm. and Assorted Absurdities." <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I came up with the title myself, and uh, the tell. P- tell. publisher was a little confused, but I'm like, nope, that's what it's going to be. So. <laughs> 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 That's what we went with, and uh, it's it's a collection of short stories and essays. Um, a lot of a lot of which deal with the idea of uh, empathy and how it is a very important social trait that we need because um, right now our technological progress is increasing uh, pretty much exponentially. And our empathic progress is increasing pretty much linearly. So until we figure out how to close that gap, uh, we're always going to be at risk for societal destruction because someone is going to push the button because someone always pushes the button unless they know why mm-hmm. they shouldn't push the button. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so, so it's got uh, quite a few essays on that, some stuff on football, um, so some humorous stuff. I mean, I, I try to make it fun. And uh, I've been told it's very good bathroom reading. So, you can, know, you can, you know, just go. Take, yeah, you just take it in the toilet, you know, rip through a chapter and uh, you're on your way, but, um, it's very
1: awkward when you have the audible version though.
3: Right? Yeah. That, that might be kind of strange, which I read, by the way, I did, I did the, uh, I did all the, the voice yeah. for the, for the audible version. C-J. And, um, I actually also have a, uh, a science fiction book that I self-published with a buddy of mine. Did you? I didn't know about that. Yeah, it's called Prime, and it's available on Amazon, and uh, we haven't done an audiobook version of that, mainly because I've been too lazy to sit down and read through the entire thing, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah, I'm I'm huge, huge science fiction fan. Uh, we've gotten a lot of really good reviews on it. It's, um, you know, basic kind of, you know, sci-fi. You've got... Uh, got people that are running into monsters and then bad things happen and then things explode and uh you know action adventure but also just hopefully social messages too so of... yeah yeah
0: have you uh have you read any of the expanse trilogy by uh james S. A. Corey yes, at all oh he's so good the fact that he follows me on twitter and talks to me it's like, <laughs> isn't that wow, the best <laughs> cause i because i'm such a fan of that book too so no it sounds really cool i'd love to i'd love to check that out i didn't need a sci-fi book oh so. cool yeah yeah
3: just uh Yep, yeah, send me an address off, off the cast and I'll... Uh, all
0: would them. love that, would love that. All right, Chris, where can people find your awesomeness online? Where um, can they find that? A wide variety of places.
3: <laughs> Primarily at Chris Warcraft, that's my Twitter handle. That's yep. uh, kind of the day-to-day operations of me being me. Um, I write occasionally for uh, Deadspin, um, Sports Illustrated, Rolling Stone, uh, all, all sorts of different sites, so... Uh, If you follow my Twitter feed, then I will tell you where I have written
1: something, (laughs) and then you can read it if you are interested. Fantastic.
3: Steve, where can people find
0: you?
1: Uh, I am here. (laughs) And uh, on Twitter, I
0: am at wickedgood. Fantastic. Georgia, Georgia, where can people get the full Georgia on the Internet? Where can they locate that?
2: You can find me on Twitter. It's at Georgia underscore Dow. And if you're dealing with anxiety and would rather deal with it at home... Um, you can check out anxiety videos.com. Where are my videos, Dal?
0: I know, I know. Where my I keep videos? on
2: about it. It's sitting in front of me. All right, all right. <laughs> it's sitting in all right. front right. of me right People here. People
0: are not getting their anxiety solved by the week because I cannot promote your videos on Twitter. So yeah. don't stress it. I'll give
1: you i I'm time. getting anxiety that you haven't released these videos Seriously. yet, actually. Well, wait, wait, oh, that's, I was then. thinking,
2: oh my God, when I was saying it, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I haven't sent it to Bri <laughs> right. yet It's sitting looking that's at right. me. That's right.
0: it's disaster. Guilt. So you can Guilt. find me on um, I am the. Uh, very boring account on Twitter known as Space Cat Gal uh, or just follow the sirens. So thanks everybody <laughs> for listening to Isometric this week and
1: so is the show over?
0: The uh. show is over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh,
2: uh, it it's yes, giving from a, a new
0: perspective. Come on you found get your hand turkeys it's
2: isometric yeah get your hands